0: No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. You may be seated.
1: Wow. That was quite a morning, right? Thank you, youth. Thank you, teens. Yeah. I'm... uh Got to think here, okay, got to get back in the sermon preaching mode. I mean, in the worshiping mode, <laughs> you know? Wow, praise. That, was, that was such great worship this morning. And we're just so pleased that you're here today with us and that you were able to enjoy the, the ministry of our, of our teens with some of our adults there. And today we are here continuing in our series, Five Questions That Matter. And we've been kind of talking about some of those big questions that matter starting off, you know, is it really, does God really just expect us to be a bunch of rule followers? And I think Pastor Eric very clearly and, and laid out that no, God, actually God wants to have a relationship with us and, and we are to be followers of Christ and to, and to enter into a relationship with God. And then last week we said, well, does that mean, that, you know, when I look around me though with everything that's going on, does it mean that God doesn't really care about me? And we said, no, God, God cares. You matter to God. And no matter what you're going through, God loves you and you matter and he proved it to you and he proved it to us by his life and death on the cross. He proved it to us by coming and giving his life as a sacrifice. He demonstrated his love and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Very clear. Today we ask a third question and that question is a question I think a lot of people today are asking. And it's that question, is is Jesus the only way? Is it only Jesus that we need to follow? Is it only him that is the way to God? And that question is being asked around the world. In the scripture that was read to us by Teresa, we, we, we find this taking place just hours before that sacrifice that Jesus is to make. Just hours before he's gonna give his life. He's gathered in the upper room with his disciples. In fact, if we go back a chapter just prior to what was read in the chapter 13 of John, we see the disciples in the room with Jesus. And you know, a lot of strange things are happening. There's this whole foot washing stuff going on. And then there's this passing the, the, the juice or the wine and the bread and there's this blood and bread being talked about. And then there's this talk about betrayal. And, and I can imagine the, 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 what's going on in the minds of the disciples. What do you mean betrayal? And then there's talk of death. What do you mean death? And finally, Jesus says, you know, it's time for me to be glorified, which means I have to leave. I have to leave you. And you can't come with me. For three years, everywhere Jesus went, the disciples went. They were by his side. They saw him minister. And now he says, I'm going somewhere. And you can't come with, come with me. In chapter 37 of that 13th chapter of John, Peter speaks up, which we would guess probably. Peter says, why? <laughs> Go back and he says, he says, why can't we come with you? Why? And then he says this, I'll die for you. To which Jesus responds, really? <laughs> would you really die for me, Peter? I'll tell you what. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And that is sitting there. And then the scripture we read this morning, we heard this morning, but let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or many rooms. If if it weren't so, I would have told you. He said, I'm gonna go and go and prepare that place for you. And then once it's been prepared, I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna take you with me so that where I am you may be also. So while we're not together now, we will be together. And then he adds this: he says, and you know the way. Now at this point, I don't blame the disciples for being confused. this has been a crazy evening, right? You've had all this stuff going on and now Jesus is talking about leaving, building. Maybe he's taking his carpenter skills back up again. He's gonna build some mansions. He's gonna come back and and we're gonna have this cool big building and what are we gonna do and all this? And, and, And now he says, but you know the way. And Thomas in verse five speaks up and says this, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? And that's the question that's asked of the disciples, by the disciples. How can we know the way? You didn't tell us where we're going. If you would have said, hey, meet us at Denny's for the Graham Slam breakfast. <laughs> I know the way to Denny's. <laughs> if you would have said, hey, let's, 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 let's catch up at Starbucks for some coffee. I know the way to Starbucks. <laughs> but this, this, this is so, I don't understand it. I, what are you saying? What, what is this? What, what is this? way thing. How can we know the way? To which Jesus responds, that answer that we know, I am the way. There's an old commercial, only folks old as me probably remember it, said something like, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. We know when Jesus speaks, we should listen. But when Jesus speaks and says, I am, (laughs) we ought to listen. I am. It was in John chapter eight, Jesus was having a discussion with, with the people, and there were some religious rulers there, and they were discussing Abraham, and they were saying, You know, Abraham was many years ago, you're only 50 years old, Jesus, what are you talking about? And Jesus says, Let me tell you something, before Abraham, I am. He didn't say, I was, <laughs> he said, I am. The same I am, the the way that God answered Moses in Exodus chapter three when Moses says, Lord, who should I say is sending me? And God says, I am. And so Jesus, when he's speaking here, this is a weighty phrase. And he says, I am. In fact, John records Jesus saying I am several times. And there are seven I am's followed by metaphors in John that we talk about a lot. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I'm the good shepherd. I am the true vine. And here it's I am the way. The way. But then he doesn't stop there. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And so what, if, if we didn't understand, if we were unclear when he said, I am the way. If, if, if we weren't real sure what he meant by that, that next sentence clearly says what he means. When he says, no one you know what no one means in the Greek? (laughs) No one. (laughs) No one comes to the Father except through me. No other way. No other way. By the way, I am also the truth. When you see me, you see truth. When you see me, you see the true God. And I am the life, the one that comes to give life. And then to drive that home, he says this. If you really know me, in verse 7, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Again, Jesus is making it very clear. He said there's one true God. In John chapter 10, he says, I and the Father are one. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the only way, and and that's it's, it's a it's an incredibly important question, Cr- incredibly important question that Thomas asks. How can we know the way? And we're going to get back and touch a little bit on that in two weeks, but today I'm I'm more interested in the response that Jesus gives because that's a response that is today controversial considered to be exclusive, and Christians are deemed to be arrogant when we say what Jesus answered, I am the way, and the question then becomes, is Jesus the only way? Or maybe that really goes in there. (laughs) Is Jesus really the only way? Isn't that arrogant to claim that Christianity has the only way, that Jesus is the only way, that there's no other way to God? How do you know? How can you be sure, we're asked. And certainly, why would you go and try to change what I believe? Why would you try to preach to me? Why would you try to convert me from what I believe and from my way? And it's a sticking point. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter's writing about Jesus being the cornerstone of our faith, the cornerstone of the church. But he also says, for many though, he's a stumbling block. When it comes to this belief in Christ and accepting who he is, it's something that trips us up and, it, and it's something that causes us to, to fall in our faith. And, and we, many, many say no because this Jesus, that he is the son of God, that he is who he is, that he is the way, the choosing the life. The fact that he is the only way, I just can't buy it. And how many people do you know and I know? How many times do we hear on TV and on the news and people talking and saying, certainly Jesus isn't the only way. Does my way to God really matter? Does the way, my personal way to God really matter? But it's not just a question in 2000, what year is this? 2019. There was a, prominent leader of the Jewish Renewal Movement a number of years ago. And he just goes by Reb Zalman. I'll call him that rather than trying to pronounce his whole name. (laughs) But he says this, do not exalt any path above God. There are many paths that lead to God. So people are capable of finding and following the way that suit them. Provided they don't stand still. So he, he's saying here, you know, there's really no prerequisites. But although there is a prerequisite, you at least got to be moving, according to, to Reb. You, least there's, you know, a path is for walking. He says, keep standing still, but, but don't exalt any path to God over another. But other people you're more familiar with kind of agree with this. Many of you know the, the spiritual um, interests of Oprah Winfrey. Here's what she had to say. I'm a Christian who believes that there are certainly... Many more paths to God other than Christianity. Certainly means undoubtedly, definitely, surely there's more paths to God than Christianity. According to Oprah and I might say many, many others who agree with her. And, and some who call themselves Christian. And then there's the Eastern thought. Gandhi. Gandhi says this, said this. Religions are different roads Converging on the same point. What does it matter what we, that we take different roads so long as we reach the same goal? And so we ask, does it matter the road I choose? We're all reaching for the same goal, aren't we? We all want this relationship with this God who supposedly cares about us. Author and theologian, Sky Jatani, wrote a book that's a um, very, very good book called With. And in that book, he, he draws a diagram. Now, he doesn't spend a lot of money on computer graphics. And this is his diagram that he drew in his book. Uh, you can see that, you know, that he, he tends to do it the old-fashioned way. Uh, but he says, he says, here is, here is um, what most of us, or what most of the world, or at least most of our society, believes today. And it's just what we heard from Gandhi, that all paths, and A, B, C, and D are the religions of the world, and, and we could add E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, N, O, P, I mean, we could go on forever on the number of religions in the world, right? But the major religions of the world, all, all the, the belief is that we all start from different points, but as long as we both all, were, you know, we're, we're all following to this point of, of, of eventually getting to the top of the mountain and seeing God. All belief systems are equally valid. All belief systems will get you there. Jatani says it's become very popular to minimize the distinctives between our religions. Oh, it's no big deal of that. It's no big deal as long as we're all loving each other, as long as we're just seeking God, as long as you know, everything's okay. And, and, and Jatani says maybe actually a better diagram is to flip the mountain upside down, and he flips the mountain upside down. And he says, I would propose, and as we look at this, really is what happening is we're all starting at the same point. We all start from a point of brokenness. We all start from a point of lostness. We all start from a point of need and a search. And so we all start at the same point. We're all looking for significance. We're all looking for truth. We're all looking for love. We start at the same point, but we start in taking our religions, and they all end up going in different directions. Not all into the same place. We're asking the same questions. What's the reason for life? Why am I here? What's gonna happen to me? Is this all there is? What happens after I die? Is this it? And we ask those questions, and we start searching. And the modern thought is all paths lead to God. And Chaitanya says, maybe not. Maybe we start in the same place, but all, not all paths lead. Doesn't matter. All of us are seeking the way. All of us are seeking the truth. All of us are seeking the life. One pastor from down in Texas, Pastor Robert Jeffries notes this. He says, unlike many people today, Jesus did not teach that all religions in the world are simply different paths up the same mountain that lead to God. Jesus could not have been more clear. He offers only one way to heaven. There's only one of the paths that lead to the true God. There's only one of those paths that lead to salvation. There's only one of those paths that lead to heaven. And I think we can can say it's pretty clear when we hear Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But the scripture is also clear in other places. In fact, Peter, you don't remember Peter? Peter's the one who denied Jesus. (laughs) Couldn't even stand up to a little servant girl. Well, Peter, in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, stands before the Jewish rulers and elders and says this, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There's no other name under the heaven. That means there's no place on on earth or anywhere else, anywhere. Mankind There's no other society. There's no other group, people group. There's nowhere, nobody that can escape this fact that salvation is found in no one else. Here he was before the Sanhedrin. Here he was, Peter's preaching that no other name by which you can be saved. I got news for you. If you think this um, phenomenon Phenomenon, phenomena. However, you say that word. This phenomena. You should stay away from words you can't pronounce, right? (laughs) If you think this thing of uh, today of people thinking it's 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 exclusive or it's arrogant and it's wrong. It's 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 just wrong to say there's only one way. Is something new? It's not new. It's not new. Christians would not have been slaughtered and persecuted in the first century if they were just saying, hey, Jesus is cool, and he's way, and you can have your way. <laughs> Jesus, we like Jesus, and, and we think he rose from the dead, and, and, and that's great, but if you want to believe in this, and you want to believe in that, and you, then, then you believe in that. There wouldn't have been persecution. There would have just been this buffet of gods, And Jesus would have been added to the dessert buffet part. You know, we got another God here to add to your group of gods. But that wasn't what they were preaching. They weren't preaching that you could have your God and your God and your God. They were saying, no, Jesus said he is the way. There is no other name by which you can be saved. And the persecution came, so it's not new. It's not new for people to say, what do you mean only one way? It's not new. Paul, giving his, his instructions to his young protege, Timothy, in and and 1 Timothy 2.5, writes this, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, who gave himself up on the cross. This one mediator, this one, came and gave his life for you, for me. And, and just before that, you talk about the exclusivity. It says, verse four before that verse says, God didn't want, doesn't want anybody to be lost. He doesn't want anybody to be lost. But his desire is that we all come to faith. We all come to salvation. Through Jesus Christ and through the sacrifice that he made. There's not many paths to God. There's one mediator one God, one man in mankind, the man, Jesus Christ. And this is considered controversial, isn't it today? It's considered exclusive. It's considered intolerant. It's considered arrogant to believe that we have the only truth. No one can have have the whole truth. No one can have the path to God. How can you know? How can you be sure? Certainly don't try to preach to me. And sometimes we're told to repent from our intolerance and to become tolerant. I think about that word tolerance. Because that's what many of us are accused of being if, if we claim that Jesus is the only way. You're not tolerant of other views. Well, another theologian who's passed a few years ago, but a, a, a great mind, John Stott, in, in a book that he wrote, talked about not just one form of tolerance, but three forms of Tolerance. And, he's, and he talks about this and he makes some observations and he, and he says the first tolerance and the tolerance I think that is critical to us here when we talk about is, is, is Jesus' claim true or not is intellectual tolerance. And he says intellectual tolerance, and, and, and which is intolerance, is this is the, the, to cultivate a mind so broad and, and open as to accommodate all views and reject none. He said, there are folks out there that say we should have intellectual tolerance, which means we believe anything anybody tells us. We, we accept it all. Now, do, but, but other than religion, do we, do we accept that in any other realm of life? Is it okay for a math teacher to say, what's two plus two? Four, great. Five, great. Six, great. You know, it, it, we'll, we'll accommodate all views here. If you were going into surgery, would you want a doctor who says, you know, I've seen the different views on, on how germs and bacteria are, are, um, are transmitted, but I really don't buy into any of that. You know, we really don't sterilize anything here, you know. You know, we just, we just don't, we're just, that's not what, I, what, I, what I'm into. <laughs> how about if you're going to jump from an airplane? Do you just say, I'm going to jump without my backpack and, you know, I really don't this, this law of gravity, that's for some, but it's really not for me. <laughs> Are all views equal? There's truth, and there's views that aren't true. I remember when one former Cleveland Cavalier basketball player was claiming that the earth was flat. <laughs> Everybody's looking at him and saying, you know, there's, there's truth, <laughs> and there's things that aren't truth. Not all religions, not all belief systems can be true because they contradict each other. Islam says Jesus wasn't crucified. He said he was a prophet. He was not crucified. We say he was crucified. We both can't be right. Judaism says Jesus was not the Messiah. We say he was the Messiah. We both can't be right. Hinduism says God has come and been incarnate, come in human form many, 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 many times. We say only once. We both can't be right. And so as Christians, we say, how do we know? And one of the things I love about the Christian, the Bible and the, and the Christian faith and the story of Christ is there's so much that can be Verified. there's so much we can look into when josh mcdowell wrote his evidence that demands a verdict he started out to write evidence that says that christianity isn't true but he started examining it and he says the facts add up in fact in his preface in the book there he says christianity 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 is a factual religion we can go back and we can say, did Jesus die? And we can start looking. And, and as, as, as people, like, people like McDowell and, and people like uh, Bill Bright of Campus Crusade at that point in time, and then people like C.S. Lewis and, and Lee Strobel and others that you know that have written these apologetics, they've also, many of those have started off saying, I don't believe. But when they started looking at the evidence and they're saying, wait a minute, if this is true, then that can't be true. If Jesus existed, well, that takes away some religions. If Jesus was was the son of God, if Jesus Jesus was crucified, that takes away some religions. If Jesus rose from the dead, that takes away some. And then, if all those are true, I've got a decision to make. Is he the way? Is he who he says he was? So, are we convinced? Uh, Are we open in our intellectual Tolerance to any belief and say, ah, your belief is just as good as mine, or your belief will get you there. But the problem is, they both can't be true. Truth is truth. And when you decide what's true, then it changes your life and it makes you new. So be convinced. And you know what? Some of you today, there may be some people here who say, I'm not convinced, and you're not gonna be convinced in the next five minutes with me rattling off a bunch of things. Dig into the word, dig into scripture, dig into what these men of people have written and find out for yourself. Don't let a professor, don't let a friend tell you, convince you. Get into God's word and say, is this true? Bill Bright of Campus Crusade when he was looking at the work that Josh McDowell had done. He says, you know, I don't know any, I really personally don't know anybody who has actually taken those steps of, of looking and examining and studying and testing that has come out to say this is not true. He says, now, I know there's people out there but I also know that they didn't really wanna look and they didn't look. It's verifiable, it's, it's, it can be tested. But there's a couple other tolerances I want to close with. And first one, next one is real quick. It's, you know, we're convinced of the truth of the gospel. We're, truth, we're saying, you no, know, we're not going to have this intellectual tolerance. We're going to believe the truth in all areas of life, in all areas of life that I live. I'm going to live by the truth. But we need to be careful when we hear these words tolerance because there's a couple other types of tolerance that maybe catch us. And the first, second one that he refers to is legal tolerance. Legal tolerance. He says, legal tolerance is fighting for the equal rights before the law of all ethnic and religious minorities. And then he has this. Christians should be on the forefront of this campaign. Do you know there are countries (laughs) where we are not the majority? There are many countries when we are very small minority. And so we, when our country is founded on religious freedom, and he says, Christians, uh, we, ought to, we, ought to, we, ought, we ought to value this freedom. God gave, god gave us freedom. We have freedom to choose and to reject. God gives us freedom to worship him and to worship another God. And he says, we should, we, the Christians should fight and be on the forefront of the campaign for, for freedom. We should value freedom of religion, even if someone chooses to worship in another way to another faith. He says that's, that's illegal. But then there's a third. And there's a third that I think causes, especially us as Christians, a lot of grief. There's a, there's a third that causes folks to point and say, arrogant, exclusive. And he calls this social tolerance. Social tolerance is going out of our way to make friends with adherents of other faiths. Since they are God's creation who bear his image. Social tolerance is reaching out and saying, I don't care if you're different. I don't care even if you worship in a in a different type of place and in a different atmosphere than I do. You're important. Paul. It showed this in Acts 17. He walks into Athens, and he looks around, and he, he, he walks into this great city of, of thinkers, of philosophers, and he, he looks around. He's greatly distressed at all the idols, all the religions. And you know what he does? He stomps his feet and yells out and says, you idiots! <laughs> no, that's not what he does. <laughs> He says, man, men of Athens, I see that you're very, very spiritual. You're very religious. I see maybe you don't even, there's a God statue to an unknown God. And, you know, let me tell you about another God. And, and then he, as he's talking in, in chapter 17, I think it's verse 38, he says, he says, he he's even quotes one of their gods or one of their poets. He even quotes one of their poets. He honors them. He says, you know, one of you, even your poets says we are his offspring Let me tell you a little bit about this. And he shares and he honors. Jesus had the opportunity to go to Jerusalem and walk around the very hated Samarians. But what did Jesus do? He walks right through Samaria. He had the opportunity to keep around him all all of his disciples so that he wouldn't be touched by those who were deemed to be so wrong and hated, but instead he sends them away and he walks up and visits a woman at the well and he talks with them. What are we doing to reach out to those who are different? Are we, are we able, are we willing to make friends and adherences of other face since they are God's creation and they bear his image? I don't tell many stories about our kids, um, because they're adults and I'll get phone calls and say dad stop it <laughs> but just a little story yeah, I, our son had had a visit uh, a while back from two um, young men who were coming carrying what looked like some material and dressed real nice you know what I'm talking about you know you, you can see them coming sometimes right come see them coming from door to door and they're heading towards your door and what do you do you, you, you pretend it's what, 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 one of those tornado drills at school, you know, duck and cover. <laughs> Are they gone yet? Are they gone yet? Duck and cover? <laughs> yeah. Well, our son, he, uh, he did the opposite. He opened the door and welcomed them in and found out who they were, and I won't mention which sect they were a part of. But he started talking with them, and, and he says, I'll tell you what. He says, I'll make a deal with you. Um, if you come back every Monday for an hour and a half, I will read your holy scriptures, and then I want to ask you questions. And so for several months now, he's been meeting on Monday night for an hour and a half with these fellas come, and, and now our son's no dummy. He, uh, he has a degree in, in um, theology from Malone and a master's in divinity from Duke, so he knows his stuff. But rather than sit there and preach to him, he says, let me read yours, and let me ask you questions. And you know, he says, um, a lot of times they end up, uh, we'll have to go back and ask our gurus, (laughs) our pastor, or whatever. But he's spending that, and he's actually been through the book, and he's starting on some of their other writings now. What do we do to reach out to folks? Do we come across as, as arrogant? Do we come across as intolerant I'm afraid sometimes we do I'm afraid sometimes we hold our positions and instead of having a conversation we decide it's a matter of who can yell the loudest I know maybe that sounds harsh and I don't want to get in trouble so I'm gonna let Alistair Begg speak (laughs) Alistair was speaking at a conference in 2010 it was a conference on the, the tough questions we face as Christians And he came to this point of our arrogance in how we deal with those of other faiths. And he says this, I have a sneaking suspicion that some of our affirmations are justifiably charged as arrogant. Not the truth itself, but the way the truth is conveyed. The tone, the flavor, can so easily be arrogant. Is it possible that some of us as Christians are guilty of ridiculing other religions? Ridiculing the adherents of other religions, snide in our comments, harsh in our judgments, disgraceful in our interpersonal relationships. Negative in addressing the ism because actually we have no real contact with anyone who comes from that background. He says afraid of any form of dialogue because we probably are unsure of what we believe. Maybe Archbishop William Temple was right. Maybe we are confused. Maybe we are embarrassed. Maybe we are on our back foot. Maybe our culture has squeezed us in such a way that we are liable to come out fighting. But then he says it's only in the light of the evil of idolatry and the finality of Christ that we are able to establish contact. And a contact that is there based on authenticity and humility and integrity, and sensitivity. And then he closes with this. It's possible to hold to the truth in a way that undermines the very truth that we hold. We have been given the truth. Jesus has said, I am the way. There is no other name, and and we have the evidence of that. And this morning, if you don't have that, I encourage you to do that research. Find, come get some information. But if you know that, how are we in our tolerance level? I know when you say tolerance, sometimes you get a pushback. I'm not talking about intellectual tolerance. I'm talking about our social tolerance. How are we in our relationships with those who are different from us? Chances are you're gonna run into somebody that's different from you, you know that? 2015 study by the Pew Research Center says in the world there are 2.3 billion Christians. Now that's nominal Christians, it's people by name Christians, but there are 2.3, but there are 1.8 billion Muslims. There are 1.1 billion Hindus. There are 500 million Hindus or Buddhists, over 10 million Jews and many, 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 many others. It's a good chance we know them. It's a good chance they're on the wrong road. It's a good chance we have to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that is authentic and humble with integrity and with sensitivity. But I love what Alistair says there. Many of us, so maybe are unsure in what we believe. Maybe that's why we maybe that's why we hide under the table <laughs> when they come. Do you know what you believe? It starts with are you sure Jesus is the way? Are you sure he's the only way? Be convinced of that today. Be convinced of that. But also be convinced of our need to share and to love and to care for those who need to hear this news. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your your word to us. Continue to speak to us, Lord, as we worship this song. to your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us?
0: Would you sing this with us? I believe in God our Father I believe in Christ the Son I believe in the Holy Spirit Our God is three in one I believe in the resurrection That we will rise again For I believe in the name of Come on, let's sing that again I believe in God our Father the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three- Saints communion in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of
1: Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You have the chance this week to show that way to somebody. Go, be an example, be an example in in courtesy and love, sincerity and authenticity, and share that good news to a world seeking truth. You're dismissed.